0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
1: let's go it's a thursday edition of daily face off live streaming live on the daily face off youtube the show as always is brought to you by botano i'm tyler i and he is not frank Saravali. he is my fill-in co-host colby cone colby what's up i know why you're in a good mood today tyler we won't take long to get there <laughs> Uh, everyone in Edmonton waking up feeling good today. Uh, So yes, let's not waste any time, Colby. Let's dig into our first topic. (laughs) Are the Edmonton Oilers back? As you know, I host an everyday Oilers show, and I've been telling people for well over a month now, I will not say the Oilers are back until they have won five consecutive games. Well, lo and behold, the Edmonton Oilers are on a five-game winning streak after dismantling the Carolina Hurricanes last night. Um, This team looks like they're humming, Colby. They look like the Oilers of old.
2: Yes, they sure do. Their power play has been absolutely dominant in this stretch. Their best players not only have been their best players, but they've been the best players in the NHL. Connor McDavid has reeled off 16 points in the last five games. That is a quite a, a large size number. But at the end of the day, when you watch the way that they're playing, Tyler, um, to me, they're just playing a lot more thorough with the puck. They look like they have a little bit of that playoff identity back, where it's not constant two-on-ones, it's not constant three-on-ones. You're not seeing unnecessary pinches by the defensive core. I think Stuart Skinner's played well over this stretch, but I don't think he's been put under the constant duress that we saw with careless turnovers, you know, in those areas of the blue lines and the red lines early in this season. And you know you and i like to text during the oilers games mostly me just texting you and you ignoring me but what i said to you was a couple weeks ago was you cannot climb out of a hole without reeling off large numbers of wins in a row you can't win two and lose one you can't do the one-in-one one thing you've got to reel off major chunks to start uh climbing up the standings and hey got to give credit where credits due. the oilers to me look like they are back they look like a playoff team Uh, And I ultimately believe they will get themselves back into the top three in their division.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned just preventing scoring chances, how much different this blue line is playing. They are 11th over the course of this winning streak, I should say 11th best in the NHL and preventing shots at five on five, sixth best in the NHL at preventing scoring chances against at five on five. So things have definitely turned around under Chris Knobloch. The Oilers still not Quite out of the darkness yet. They're still quite a ways away out of a playoff spot. But one thing that is going to help them if they're going to continue this push is the fact that Connor McDavid is looking like the Connor McDavid we all know and love. I mean, early on this season, he was banged up. Frank Servalli said today on the DFO rundown that there were some people in the organization who said he was only around 55% for a stretch in October and November. He's back to 100% and he's back to being unstoppable.
2: Yeah. And do you think Paul Coffey has anything to do with this? Uh, on the TNT broadcast last night, obviously in the United States, they interviewed Paul Coffey before the game. Um, and, and you know, I watched Paul Coffey play for the Flyers growing up. I didn't know a whole lot about him as a person. I've heard he can be a little bit of a hard ass um, and you could just watch his interview. He's, you know, he doesn't have a ton to say. He's not um, got this like big booming voice. He's almost a little more quiet, but listening to him talk about the relationship building with the defensive core, listening to him talk about making sure those players feel like he has their back, I think that's translated. I think when you have a guy like Paul Coffey that we all watch growing up, um, there for you in your corner, I think that gives you more confidence. And I think we've seen a better Ekholm. I think we've seen a better Bouchard, a better Nurse, and I think that goes right on through the decor. So. Uh, we talk a lot about knoblock, but I think Paul Coffey deserves uh, a little bit of praise here as well, uh, coaching the D on the Oilers bench.
1: Yeah, big time. I think when you listen to how some of these defensemen have been talking about Paul Coffey's impact, um, they, they, it's been rave reviews, and it's a move that I kind of criticized at first. I was like, listen, this guy doesn't have coaching experience. What are we doing here? It felt like he was sent in almost to be some sort of a spy for ownership, but he's coming and made a big, big impact, and he's rocking the Stanley Cup ring on the bench. His presence is legit. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the wildcard race, though, Colby. We're going to go through the East in a bit, but we'll stick in the Western Conference for now. Um, It's getting tight, and it's largely a product of mediocrity. Um, You can see not a lot of these teams, no one in the wildcard race is humming at a 600 points percentage or better. It's kind of the battle of mid, as the kids like to say on Twitter. Uh, We'll do one contender and one pretender. Let's start which team in this group, and maybe we'll exclude the Oilers, do you look at and go, they're actually a contender? Like, I don't just like them as a playoff team. I think they can be a team that eventually, by the end of the year, is ready to take a run.
2: Yeah, so let's take the Oilers right out of it because I think the Oilers push Vancouver out of their spot, and I think they become oh. a top three team uh, in that in, in the division. Um, so I, if you're looking at the group we just there, it, it, to me, it's probably the Wild. I think under John Hines, this team has defended so much harder. Uh, He's come in. They're on a four-game win streak. We just talked about this with the Oilers. If you're going to climb out, you need to reel off wins. I played for John Hines. I know what he's like to play for. Very detailed, very structured. They block a lot of shots, his team. So, uh, you know, the the National Predators under John Hines, they never had a lot of firepower, but they always were in every game. They were always tight, two-to-one, one-to-one, overtime games. So, I think under John Hines, that Minnesota Wild team is going to get going. I think they're going to defend better. They're going to protect the house. And then ultimately, Kaprizov and Boldy, like these guys are going to score. It's not a matter of if, it's when. So to me, those guys are a serious contender. And if we're going to look the other way, at pretender, I, I'm still not sold on the Coyotes. I'm just I, I can't. I just can't. I can't give them the love yet. I'm sorry. I think right now they're playing with house money. I think teams take them lightly. I think teams are going in there, getting that that Roxy flu we used to see out in uh, Vancouver. Now they're getting it in Old Town Scottsdale. So ultimately, I, I don't think when this all shakes out, I don't, I don't think the Arizona Coyotes are sitting in a playoff spot.
1: I will give you a different pretender because I, I, I agree. I don't think the Yotes are going to get into a playoff spot, but I think they're going to be in the hunt for the bulk of the season. Like they also have 24 games, right? They're sitting in that top spot with a game in hand on pretty much everyone in those spots below them. A couple of pretenders for me, I don't think Nashville has enough to stay in this race. I I think they're being dragged a little bit by UC Soros. And I know... That Again, you look at these numbers, 3.2 goals against per game is high. I know Saros has been a little inconsistent, and maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. I should say they're only going to stay in this if UC Saros strikes them. I think the offensive production is a little bit unsustainable in Nashville. They had that big heater. It was great. They're still 8-2 and two in their last 10. Fantastic. I don't think this team has the offensive depth to keep scoring north of three goals per game.
2: Don't underestimate Andrew Burnett, though. We saw what okay. he did when he was the head coach during the regular season in Florida when he took over for Joel Quinville. You see the way his teams go north-south. Brunette had a lot to do with the success in New Jersey last year. He really did. Not any, Nobody talked about that. But you look at the way those teams were buzzing around. You think back to the way Andrew Burnett played. I don't think he gets enough credit. But I do agree with you. I, I think at the end of the day, that team's just not built well enough to continue to score and I don't think they defend well enough either. I think I'm 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 in lockstep with you. I think UC Soros is is dragging them along.
1: Yeah, and uh, we'll see if that continues and if the Preds can stay in the hunt a little bit here, but again, like if we we just looked at the standings, it's incredibly tight. The gap from Arizona in that top wildcard spot to if you even want to do Edmonton, it's pretty small. It's 7 points, but the Oilers again have games in hand on Oh, well they do have games on, on every team in front of them so they should tighten up that gap a little bit too like we could be at a point a week from now where the difference between Arizona and whoever's in that Edmonton spot five out of the wild card like they're gonna be sitting it might be a five-point gap separate yeah. well, it, it looks
2: like the east as we start to transition our way to the east I mean you you look at the the race in the east Tyler it, it's it's very similar the teams are all junked up uh there's definitely some you know, different contender, pretender scenarios. So let's start with you. What what do you think about the East? How how do you see that shaking out?
1: Well, I'll give you a pretender. And I think the pretender is the New York Islanders, they're sitting one spot behind Toronto right now, but I don't think this team is going to be able to stay in the race for that much longer. Again, being propped up by a whole boatload of overtime losses. They only have 10 wins in 24 games this year. And I think you can look at the Lightning, who again, are kind of similar. They're being propped up by some OT losses, but you can look at the Bolts and go, Bachelorski going to hit his groove right away. Kucherov is still elite. There's so much talent there that even if they're not playing at their best, that's a team that can just kind of flip the switch at some point. The Islanders yeah, it, don't have that. They have a slow aging forward group outside of Barzell and Horvat, I guess. They have a blue line that's banged up. And similar to Nashville, unless Sorokin's just going to do it all, the Islanders are going to be sitting closer to Columbus than they are to Toronto by the All-Star break.
2: Uh, I we're, we're on the same page. I I do. Um, I know the flyers right now are not fighting for a wild card. They're in that top three in the division, but I'm going to go with the flyers because I do not see the flyers as a team that are making the playoffs this year. When I look at the East right now and I look at Vasilevsky the last couple of nights, he was like, what, 30, 40 seconds away from back-to-back shutouts. Um, After getting, after the team got absolutely lit up on the first half of the home and home, I think they what they lose eight to one to Dallas. I mean, how many times have they given up eight goals in the last four you know four or five years? It's probably uh, counted on one hand. But I think the East playoff picture is a little more set. And I think the only team that is not currently in a playoff position in the East uh, that w- I, I just I don't think the Flyers go in. So then I think you look at some of those teams. Whether it's the Islanders, which you and I agree we don't see them as a playoff team. So then it's Jersey. Then it's the Capitals. Really, who's going to emerge out of that group? Look, I don't love the way Jersey's playing. They just lost Dougie Hamilton to a torn pectoral out indefinitely. I look at their decor, and while I do really like John Marino, I think their decor and their goaltending is a little bit of a problem. So I might be leaning a little more to the Caps and thinking maybe the Caps end up sneaking their way into that metro spot, and then the Atlantic occupies both of the wildcard spots. But I just think – seven of the eight teams in the East that are currently in playoff spots, Tyler, I think those teams will all be in the playoffs when we start.
1: So where do you come out on the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, We're looking at a team that just did the whole closed door meeting after another tough loss yesterday. I think if you would have told Penguins fans at the beginning of the year, hey, it'll be December 7th. Carlson has 19 points in 25 games. Sidney Crosby scoring at a 50 goal pace. Tristan Jari's got a 917. They'd probably be sitting there going, whoa, are we winning the division? Are we Stanley Cup favorites? But it's not the case. They've looked incredibly mediocre. Their power play has been absolutely flat. I think it's like over 30-something right now. Do Crosby and company have the ability to turn this thing around? I mean, look, Crosby
2: is is playing like he's 25 years old. You you cannot overlook what this guy continues to do. Every time new superstars come into this league, I feel like Sidney Crosby says, hold on. I, I'm still 87 here. Okay. I still have multiple Stanley cups. Let's not forget about me. Um, I loved what Ovechkin said about the two of them really propping the league up all those years ago. I think they was spot on with that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Pittsburgh's too slow. I just do. I don't see a team that plays with enough pace, their power play, you know, is it going to get going? Yeah. You look at the personnel. It should, but, but Oh, for 31 with the, with that type of talent. I, I don't know. I'm not buying on the Pittsburgh penguins. Um, I don't think that they have enough team speed. I do think they're well-coached. I do think they're going to get every ounce they can out of some of these veteran players, but ultimately I, I don't like the mix and I don't see them as a playoff team.
1: Man, that'll be tough. I mean, for Kyle Dubis's first year to go give up what you did, to go make the splash of bringing in Carlson and not even so much give up what you did from an asset standpoint but give up what you did from a flexibility standpoint. You are locked in with this aging core, right? Latang is there until he's in his forties. Carlson is there long-term still Crosby, Malkin. Those guys obviously aren't going anywhere. You just sit there and go, if it's not going to work this year, where's the reason to believe it's going to get better next year?
2: Yeah, I don't think it will. And I think you'll see one of those couple of guys that you just mentioned playing for the next expansion team, whenever that happens over the next couple of years, because, um, they got problems. Like I didn't agree with the moves that they made. I think Kyle Dubas is a smart guy. I think Fenway Sports Group is a phenomenal ownership group. I've had a chance to meet some of their executives in Boston over the years via the Red Sox. There was a lot of synergy between, you know, BU and the Red Sox and the Bruins and the Red Sox. They're phenomenal people. They invest in their teams. Um, But I, I, I think there's trouble there. I think They might be a little too in love with some of those names um, as coming from the outside looking in. You thought maybe this was an opportunity to just kind of, you know, start fresh. Um, But I I don't know. Like, I think trouble in Pittsburgh ahead. I I don't see bright days. I see dark days.
1: All right. I know we got to get to got to get to Stephen Ellis in a second with the next wave. But tonight's schedule will feature one game that should have everyone's eyes on it. It's showtime in Hockey Town. Patrick Kane will make his debut for the Detroit Red Wings this evening. You're taking a look at his numbers from last season with the New York Rangers when he hopped over 12 points in 19 games. What are you expecting out of Patty Kane in a Wings jersey? Do you think that with that surgery behind him, he's presumably back to 100% healthy? Do you think we're getting point per game Patty Kane or maybe a step down?
2: Uh, I don't think you're going to get point per game Patty Kane tonight. Uh, but I think within two months, I think you're getting point per game, Patty Gain. Um, listen, I watched this guy very closely the last couple of years in Chicago, having, you know, been between the benches and and spending half the game literally sitting right next to him. So what this guy has done on one hip, uh, it's it's incredible, like his hockey IQ it's as high as anybody's in the National Hockey League. So I think it's going to take him a little bit of time. I think as long as he has that lateral movement, that's what it's all about. He plays the game very lateral. It's not a lot of north-south for Patrick Kane. It's a lot of lateral hockey. I think the comfort of Debrinkat, the power play, um, I think those are areas where he'll build confidence. But you know, I started looking at the lineup on Daily Faceoff, which I know that we flashed already. You look at that, that group with Patrick Kane, he kind of solidifies that forward group. He pushes Perron into that third, you know, that third line. Now you have Rasmussen, Cop, and Perron on the third line. Like that's a really, really quality top nine. I mean, and then you've got a fourth line that does a little bit of everything, can play with speed, can check can kill penalties. You know, if Kaner can get himself within the next couple of months up to a hundred percent, this is a tougher team. Like I doubted these guys. I really did a couple months ago. I didn't see this coming, but I expect we'll see uh, Kane go like this over the next couple of weeks. It'll go like this.
1: Okay. Uh, One other number I'll be keeping an eye on the Red Wings, their power play ranks 20th in the NHL right now. We'll see if Kane can give them a boost there. If you look back at the Rangers last year, they were 11th in power play percentage, 22% before getting Kane, jumped up to fourth in the league, 28% after getting Kane at the deadline. So maybe a spot where Kane can give the Red Wings a bit of a spark on the special teams. Uh, It is December 7th. World Junior Camps are underway. We're only two, three weeks away from Christmas and Boxing Day and the start of the World Juniors in Sweden. So let's dig into it with the next wave. The next wave is delivered by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do Download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. Stephen Ellis, welcome back for another edition of The Next Wave. And let's dig in to a little World Junior talk. Last week on the show, you told us Canada was getting set for camp, gave us some insight into their roster. Now that things are finalized in terms of their camp invites, who are you looking to maybe make a little bit of noise here at training camp for Team Canada?
3: Well, I'm excited to be going out there in person for in a couple of days to watch Canada train, but uh, the one player I'm watching for sure is Jordan Dumai, who last year had 140 points in with the Halifax Booth heads of the QMJHL. Only one player in the entire CHL had more points than him, and that was Connor Bedard. I'd say he's a pretty good player. This year, he had a bit of an injury to start the year. He's having a bit of an off year. He's only on pace for 130 points this year. I know, kind of rough, but like the numbers we've seen from his junior career, he had 109 points in his draft year in 2022 140 and again on pace for 130 this year for a guy who was drafted 96th overall uh by the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, you know Shocking how good he's ended up becoming. He's a bit of a smaller player. He's only five foot nine, and that does show from time to time, including last year when he wasn't uh, on the final world junior team. But this year, especially with the NHL guys not showing up, like Zach Benson, Math Poitra, Connor Bedard, obviously, uh, I think he's going to play a pretty big role. So, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets prospect that I hope sticks with his number if he uh, plays in the NHL. He wore 69 in the preseason. I hope that stays.
2: All right, I'm going to make you think a little bit back to the last couple of gold medal teams for Team Canada. When you look at those teams and you look at who you think will be on this
3: year's team, how do they compare? It's a bit of a step down for Canada, um, unfortunately, if you're a Canadian fan. And that's, you know, if all of their available players were to show up, and let's just exclude Bedard because he was never going to come back, but let's say Fantilli came back, let's say Poitras, let's say Korchinski, this team would be the best team in the tournament by far uh so it's not going to be as strong i think the big question here is who's going to be their goalie uh mathis rousseau is a, a goalie that i i'm really excited to see play uh he's a smaller goalie 511 out of the qmghl halifax of course because half this team is from halifax it seems like but he's putting up some great numbers one of the best goalies in the chl there's also uh dominic diva uh winnipeg jets prospect who last year Best goal in the OHL by quite a bit this year. Not having the same year, he got injured. He just hasn't played as good. So there's some question marks in net. But if there's anything that this team will have, it's speed and hard workers. And on the blue line, there's a couple six foot four, six foot six six defensemen, and then Maverick Lamoureux is six foot seven. So they will be a difficult team to play against. But I think the biggest question is who's going to be that guy that takes this team forward. Maybe that's Macklin Celebrini. Maybe it's Jordan dumai Maybe it's Matt Savoy. I'm not sure yet. So we'll have to see.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Macklin Celebrini. Let's go across the pond, and, or excuse me, let's go across the border and talk about Team USA. Uh, other than Lane Hudson, a guy that I know I'm looking forward to watching play, Macklin Celebrini's teammate, those two have certainly tore it up to start the NCAA season. But uh, tell us a little bit about Team USA's camp. Any names that you're keeping an eye on? Any big players?
3: camp battles any players maybe omitted from team usa uh give us the skinny yeah the, the America team is the one that i'm excited to to see the most and i think it's just because there's so much depth at every position especially in net where you're looking at trey augustine versus jacob fowler so augustine is a top 10 goalie prospect right now a detroit red wings pick Look at his record: nine, three, and two. Very good numbers, and that's a downgrade from his last couple of years in the U.S. National Development Team, where I think last year he had like one or two losses all year long across all events. It was unbelievable how good he was. He was the uh, the starting goalie for the World Junior Team at seventeen, which is pretty hard to believe. But Jacob Fowler, you look at those numbers, and they're better this year. He's playing such an important part uh, role with the Eagles this year in the NCAA. Just uh, you know, a big goalie covered it takes the net. Over, Um, good head on his shoulders, doesn't let a bad goal really screw him up there. Uh, And I know Montreal Canadiens fans are really excited about him. I think Augustine's going to get the start, uh, the, the first starts of the tournament, just because, you know, he's the guy that is returning. Fowler does have a history with USA hockey. He was very good. At the world junior summer showcase and I expect him to play well in terms of other guys to watch. You know, obviously the the one player I was shocked that didn't make it was Quinton musty playing at two points per game uh, with the Sudbury wolves. He's tenacious. He's a lot of fun to watch. And then there's Cole Eiserman. I did not have Iserman making the world junior team. Uh, and I think part of that is for as good of a player as he's, he is. And you've, You've obviously know a bit about him there, Colby. Uh, He's he's a great shot. He could shoot from anywhere, but I'm not sure he was going to fit in a bottom six role. And I think that was the concern there, all the scoring options that he was going to get pushed out. So it's too bad we won't even get to see him at camp, but I think fans will get to see just how good James Haggins is. And I think that's really cool because Haggins is, you know, Jack Hughes light in a way. Canada should
1: be competitive. USA should be competitive. They always are. Give me another team who you're looking at in the early stages here and circling them going, ah, they're going to be a good team too. Well, it's
3: always easy to bet on Sweden being a competitive team, but if you bet on them winning gold in the last 15 years, you would have lost a lot of money. Uh, But for me, the team at home, you know, probably they're not going to have Leo Carlson, but they don't need him. You've got guys like Jonathan LaCaramacchi, the Vancouver Canucks prospect who looks unbelievable right now. Liam Ogren, Noah Olsland. those guys all played together last year uh, in the Osvenskan league. And they also have a lot of experience playing just with Sweden's national team in general. But I put together the, the pre the, my preview for the team. It's coming out next Tuesday. And it's like every line could do some damage. I think the one question mark for me is again, goaltending uh, they've got three goalies, Hugo Haviland is probably going to be the starting goalie. And of those three, he's the one that isn't drafted, but he's five foot ten. So he's not big, but he plays a lot bigger in the net. He really just takes up a lot of space the way he kind of moves his arms around, uses his glove. I know scouts really like him, but they know that the size is a problem. But I think if, if he can really hold it together, this team's got the defensive depth and the scoring depth to really be a serious contender for the United States to, to win gold there.
2: Where does Tom Willander fit in the Vancouver first round pick? Is is he a guy that, that you expect to have a big tournament for Sweden?
3: I do. You know, he's a guy that can be hit or miss. I uh, last year watching with the world junior A challenge was kind of what really opened my eyes for how good of a puck mover he is. Um, he kind of reminds me a bit of Eric Brandstrom when he was at the same age. And now, you know, I hope he has a better career than Branstrom's had at this point. Um, but when it comes to what, what Brandstrom was doing at this tournament, just rushing the puck, playing such a dominant two-way game. And I, I think that, you know, with with the way Willander's been playing this year uh, in, in college, it's it's i think he's going to really turn some heads i know a lot of scouts weren't convinced he was going to play a big role but i think he will just because he's he's the guy that could generate a lot of those chances play the power play and do so much for that group
1: love it steven look forward to your coverage of the tournament in a few weeks on dailyfaceoff.com thanks for doing this and we'll chat again next week thanks so much Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. Uh, we got one in here centered around the holidays, Colby. Pass or fail on eggnog? Uh,
2: I'm a new new to the eggnog world, so it
1: just depends on how heavy my father-in-law makes it. I'll go pass. Uh, yeah, I think I'm more on the pass side as well. I mean, maybe one, but you got that's it. I don't really love we, the whole idea of getting drunk off a heavy dairy product. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't grow up with eggnog in our house. We, we we lit the menorah. We spun the dreidel.
2: There was there was no eggnog in the Cohen residence.
1: <laughs> uh, we also got another one in here, too, and I've totally lost who asked it, so my apologies. But in the uh, YouTube, someone said, which team is most likely to make a trade before the roster freeze in a couple of weeks? I'll take an easy one off the board, Colby. It's got to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, we're looking at a blue line. Riley, Brody. Okay, that's good. William Lagasin on your second pair. Connor Timmins playing with Simone Benoit. Ooh, it's thin on that leaf blue line. I'll say Toronto needs to make a deal in the next couple of weeks. Is there another team that stands out for you?
2: Uh, it's exactly where my brain went. It was right to Toronto because they, they need to get a defenseman in there and they need to get a defenseman in quick. The closer you get to the deadline, the closer you get to the end of the season, the higher the price tag goes up. I wouldn't waste any time if I was uh, Brad Tre- Treveeling. Tree Living.
1: <laughs> tree living oh i thought i got it see frank's in my wrote... head frank's know, in my I... head and i knew frank would get mad if i didn't uh, correct you on it and call you out Thank a little you bit for... on that you,
2: you need to you need to because i've said that guy's name 17 different <laughs> ways and i'm
1: sitting in my office right now and he's running an nhl team he deserves to have his name said right let's move along to our botano daily bets i was a perfect two and oh yesterday with the shop prop parlay and the golden knights covering the puck line so we'll look to keep the magic rolling this evening colby William Nylander has not scored in five straight games. He was off to a hell of a start this season, and that little cold streak he's going through, it's causing his price to get back to a decent point. You're getting plus money on William Nylander to find the back of the net. It should be a high-scoring game against Ottawa. I like the Leafs' offense in this matchup. Give me the man they call Willie Stiles to find the back of the net there. And also the over between San Jose and Detroit. A couple of numbers for you here. The overs hit in back-to-back games for Detroit with a total of eight and a half goals on average in those games. For San Jose, the overs hit in three straight with 29 total goals in those last three games, almost 10 per game. This line is six and a half. I like the number at minus 118. I was expecting it to be like minus 135. So I like the price point on the over between San Jose and Detroit as Patty Kane makes his debut there. Uh, let's wrap up with a little bit of garbage time. It is brought to you by our Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Game, where you can win real prizes from our friends at Wendy's like the syrup combo their limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks order today from Wendy's and on the Wendy's app Colby I know you not you hate garbage time so I got this don't worry last night on the bench in Edmonton Rod Brindamore had to do his uh his stand-up in play interview whatever you want to call it with Darren Pang and he delivered as his team was struggling
2: to <laughs> are losing 50 nothing right now I've never seen our team playing this brutal so. I, at this point, you know, I don't really. I, I'm, I'm lost for words, to be quite honest. We weren't ready to start, which that's was clear, and now we're just kind of doing things not the way we do it. And this is uh, this way you get. So at this point, we're probably turning the page. Well, thanks for doing this. I know it's not easy.
1: I like how he is walking away before Darren Bank can even give the follow up. He's like, I'm done. So it's
2: funny. I I grew up watching Rod Brindamore play here in Philadelphia. And this is probably about five years ago. I'm doing a a game that his son is playing in for Quinnipiac against UConn. And after the game, I get in the car heading down the turnpike back to to Philadelphia. And I'm in the rest area. just figured it's late. It's 10 p.m. Let me go to the bathroom, whatever. I'm standing there going to the bathroom, standing directly next to me is Rod Brindemore. He was there watching his kid play. I think they played the Flyers the next night. So I waited for him to finish. And then I like had to introduce myself, you know, and I'll never forget it because I said to him, I went to introduce myself to him and he said, Hey Colby, what's going on? Like he knew who I was from doing TV. Obviously, like I thought it was cool to get a chance to meet him. We sat, you know, I sat there with him and had a coffee in the, in the rest stop at like 10 PM. Such an intense guy. But such a great, great guy. I mean, when you hear about hockey players being unbelievably good dudes, Rod Burnham Moore is one of them. So I, I hope the Hurricanes can have a little bit of a bounce back there. I like to see him succeed and his teams do well.
1: Yeah, he's been for a guy who just jumped right into coaching. I mean, unbelievable what yeah. he's done in Carolina and a nice chuckle with his frustration last night. They were like 10 minutes into the game and he was like, yeah, I might as well pack it in. We're done. It's like, I love that honesty. Uh, that is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Colby and I will be back tomorrow for a Friday edition of things here on Daily Face Off Live. We'll chat with you then.
3: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.